0: hey what's going on everybody this is caleb here with another episode of the catch the fever fishing podcast and uh, we're excited about today's episode we've got somebody that we're going to be talking with that you guys are really going to be excited about hearing and uh, first i want to say that uh, we've had a few days if not a week go by since our last podcast Uh, i do want to apologize for that we've had a lot of uh, great things going on over at catch the fever and slime line fishing line we've got some new products that had come in last week uh, we had launched a new leader line heavy cover leader line and uh, we were getting all that taken care of and things logged in so i apologize to you guys uh, for making you wait so long before we got another podcast up but uh, it's well worth the wait because we've got somebody today that uh, that i'm really excited about having on here and somebody who's well respected. In the catfishing industry, he really needs no introduction, but we're going to ask him to introduce himself. And it's Aaron Wheatley. How are you doing, Aaron?
1: Hey, I'm doing well, Caleb. How are you, man? How are things in North Carolina? and with Catch the Fever, my friend.
0: Oh, yeah. Everything is going good, going good. And uh, Aaron, if uh, if you don't mind, kind of introduce yourself to the listeners who are tuning in. Uh, tell them a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're located. Where are you fishing? Just let them in on a little bit of the stuff you've got going on.
1: All right. Well, I guess, first of all, I might as well start, as I am, the tournament director of Monsters on the Ohio, which is an annual event event held in uh, Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, I'm also a pro staff angler with several different great companies, uh, including Catch the Fever and Big Cat Fever Rods. Uh, I mainly fish the Ohio River, the Tennessee River, I like to expand my horizon, so I've been known to slip off to the Missouri River, to the Mississippi River, and I've even been out east uh, before on the James and the Potomac Rivers. Uh, I love catching, man. I'm going to go wherever I can to catch fish. Fishing's fun, but catching's way more fun. <laughs>
0: that's that's exactly right, and I don't know if we had a cut out there in the very uh, beginning, uh, Aaron. But you—you you had said that you're located in Owensboro, Kentucky. Correct?
1: That is correct. Yes, the home yeah. of Monsters on the Ohio.
0: That's it. That's it. And you guys have a tournament that's coming up, and uh it's—it's it's one of the premier catfish tournaments, really, in the industry. um I say that in case you're a guy who's listening to this podcast. We've had a lot of people tune into the last three that we've done, and guys, if you're looking for a really good tournament to get plugged in on and uh, really meet some great people in the industry, be sure to check out what Aaron Wheatley's got going on with Monsters on the Ohio. We'll touch on that real quick, Aaron. Tell me, uh, how long has the Monsters on the Ohio been going on, and uh, how long have you guys been running strong?
1: Uh, Monsters on the Ohio is in its 10th year this year uh, out of Owensboro, Kentucky. You can check us out at www.monstersontheohio.com, or you can check us out on Facebook under Monsters on the Ohio. Uh, we were probably, uh, for years, one of the bigger tournaments in the country, period. Of course, now the sport is growing and bigger tournaments are popping up everywhere, which is great for everybody. Uh, but we're more of a grassroots, hometown, family, fun, activity, catfishing tournament. We do things a little bit different than a lot of tournaments do. We do a lot of stuff with the kids. Uh, we do a lot of stuff with the spectators. That's probably why we'll have twelve to 1,500 people. Uh, down there when you come to weigh your fish in it's like uh it's like nowhere i've been when it comes to participation with the kids and with the spectators and not to mention some of the greatest fishermen from across the country Uh will be right here in owensboro kentucky october the 12th so we're talking 12 13 days from now it's not long that's great that's great you
0: know that is the unique thing about your tournament and things that uh I'm not able to travel fish and, uh, and fish tournaments uh, much of these days anymore, but the thing that would really draw me if I was a guy who wanted to fish a tournament to the monster on the high is just what you said, the spectator support. There's so many people that are there that are, are, are tuned in and standing right there to watch those guys weighing your fish. I mean, uh, catching a big fish is great and having it weighed in, but, man, to get that spectator support, that really that that really uh, makes you feel good as an angler to be able to bring a nice fish to the scales and and have that support.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, guys, even with small weights, will just come so they can weigh in in front of that crowd. You know, lifting that fish up and hearing that crowd ooh and awe ah, is what it's all about <laughs> for the anglers. There's no doubt about it.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well. Well, Aaron, let's let's talk a little bit about, and we're we're gonna finish up. We're gonna hit on uh, some more stuff with monsters on the Ohio. Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, whether whether it's where the monster on the Ohio is being held, or or what what some bodies of water that you like to fish, or are you pre- predominantly a river fisherman? Would you say? Or I know you've had experience fishing all across the country, but what do you consider your home waters? And you know, what, what do those look like as far as targeting catfish? Is it, is it fast paced rivers? Is it, is it,
1: uh, Well, you know, I fish the Ohio river a lot because it's 10 minutes from my house. Now, you know, we all know about catfishing regulations are different in every state. And we know about the battle trying to protect our, our guild friends, you know, and it's been a battle here in Kentucky. And we've been fighting that fight for about 10 years now. And we have actually taken baby steps forward. So things are moving forward. But you ask me my favorite places to fish. I'm going to tell you Tennessee and I'm going to tell you Alabama. <laughs> and there's, there's going to be three or four different reasons for that. First of all, the numbers of fish. I mean, there's no doubt there's more fish in Tennessee and Alabama. The size of fish. There's no doubt there's more bigger fish in Tennessee and Alabama. And... For the job that those two states do to keep those fish inside their borders and to keep their fish inside them waters, uh, they deserve my money for all the all the studies they've done and for the for the regulations they do have. Alabama's a one over thirty four with no transportation of live fish across state lines. Tennessee's a one over thirty four, no transportation of live fish over thirty four inches. Period. You know, so these. That is two states that are really going out of their way to protect the catfish. And me, as a catfish angler and a supporter of the sport, I feel it's my due diligence to support those states that are supporting what I love to do.
0: That's exactly right. You're exactly right, Aaron. And those two bodies of water that you mentioned, I mean, they just produce some.
1: Yeah, and what's so funny is the Tennessee River runs through Kentucky just like it runs through Alabama and Tennessee. And uh, the only difference between that river system in Kentucky and Tennessee and Alabama is in Kentucky, it's unlimited harvest on the Tennessee River uh, for commercial fishermen. So it gets hit hard. And I'm telling you, you can see it. Uh, It's plain as day uh, that there's an overharvest of commercial fish coming out of Kentucky Lake and Barkley Lake. And that's the Cumberland River. And that's the Tennessee River. And, you know, of course, there's an overharvest of big fish for Pay Lakes in the Ohio River, but that is actually being slowed down now. West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, Illinois, all have regulations on the Ohio River. They're not all the same. Uh, That's what we'd like to see. We'd like to see a uniform reg all the way up and down the Ohio River. It gets confusing. Uh, in different pools, there's different regulations. I mean, that's just the way. In, di- in different states, there's different regs. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I'm, I will always support those that support me. Uh, and I feel like Tennessee and Alabama are definitely two of the top states in the country when it comes to protecting the blue cat and the flathead and the channel cat fisheries in their state. So they deserve our support as well.
0: Absolutely. And you can see those regulations work. I mean, you see all over Facebook and anytime there's a a tournament going on, on those bodies of water. I mean, you really see the fish show out uh, really that are just unheard of in other places of the country.
1: Yeah. And you know, I've been, I I frequent Alabama, Alabama. I don't know. Five to 10 times a year. Um, so I've probably fished Alabama waters probably around, let's say, 50 times in the last five years. I've caught four 80 pound, no, three 80-pounders down there. I fish the Ohio River like religion. I fish the Ohio River 150 days a year. I have yet, in 12 years of catfishing, put a fish in the boat that weighed 80 pounds on the ohio river right Uh, that's just that's just to give you a reference and i catch you know i catch good fish on the ohio river there's no doubt about it there's still good fish in the river and i and and i don't i'm under the impression this year that with the high waters for two years we all know that that helps with the spawn and that helps with the migration of fish that also keeps the commercial guys from running their nets across the river. right? And with the regulations that have been installed on the Ohio for the last five years, I'm seeing an uptick as far as the number of fish in the Ohio River this year. That's right. Uh, yeah, I've been in several pools. I've fished Rising Sun up again, up uh, up along Cincinnati. I've been in the Louisville Pool, which is the Cattleton Pool. I've been in the Newburgh Pool, which is my pool. I've been in the J.T. Myers Pool, which is the pool below me. I've been in the Shawneetown Pool or the uh, Smithland Pool. And all of them seem to have good numbers of fish in them this year. And let's just hope that uptick continues to get the Ohio River back where it was 15 years ago. Because 15 years ago, people wasn't running down to the Tennessee River to fish. Or they wasn't running to the Mississippi or to the Missouri. They were coming right to the Ohio River. And right. that's before the exportation of large fish to pay lake started. And that definitely hurt our river, but we are making strides to improve those things.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, steps, you know, today's, today's actions are tomorrow's results. And, uh, it's never, it, it, you know, it, it can't hurt, uh, to start too late, but it's never too late to start improving. And, uh, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, uh, I hope I hope to see that, that fishery, you know, around on the Ohio River pick up and uh, you start to see those trophy fish, like you mentioned, you know, once again
1: um, here in the future. Um, yeah, you know, and another big thing is there's a lot of guys that practice in preach catch and release now too, you know. That's right. Uh, me, me personally, I don't eat fish. I never keep fish, but that's that's my choice. If right. someone wants to go out there and keep some 5, 10-pound fish to eat, have at it. You know, I don't right. think anybody has an issue with that. Most of the guys I'm connected to are more upset about the wanted waste of these beautiful trophy cats going to Pay Lakes, dying, and never – once they go there, there ain't no coming back. That's right. Uh, you know, so like I said, catch and release. A lot of guys practice, preach, show videos of catch and release. That is all to me. That's gold, man. I love, I love watching that stuff. I'll spend – you know, a lot of time on Facebook, just watching guys catching, releasing fish and happy to do it. And, and that's something, you know, educating people on catfish is, is a big thing because a lot of people don't understand how important the catfish is, especially here in Kentucky in the Ohio River when we have invasive species known as the the Asian carp and the zebra mussels. Right, And the catfish is the king of the jungle in the Ohio River, so it's his job to knock those numbers down. So we need those fish in our river just because of the invasive species problem we have right now. And, and, and just educating people and talking to people and doing things like this, doing, you know, I do seminars, I do radio shows, I do TV. I'm always preaching catfish conservation. I'm always preaching. We're sportsmen. We deserve it just like anyone else. Let our sport continue to grow.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. And it really comes down to our job as anglers, you know, doing our part. And, uh, you know, that's really the great thing about Facebook. I I know Facebook takes a bad rap a lot of times for, for different things. But, you know, that's the great thing that we can use social media as, as a powerful tool is, you know, you see more guys catching these big fish and they're releasing them. I know, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, uh, you really didn't see a whole lot of that. But here in the last five years, you see more people posting that picture of uh, them catching that big fish. I know we've got the Big Cat Fever Rod Series page. We'll share a, a picture of somebody who caught a really big fish. And uh, we see more and more customers saying, Did they let it go? You know, and we say, Absolutely, you know, they they sure did. More people are seeing that these it's it's better to to catch that big fish and release it for somebody else to catch them. And like you mentioned, if you're somebody who wants to catch a pile of fish there's a bunch of those fish in the river you know there's a bunch of those fish that you can get a hold of and uh but those big fish you know let them go and you know aaron you've seen it before and you've heard it the first thing that gets thrown up is you know a lot of these guys who are preaching uh catch and release uh you know they're the first ones that'll shoot a big buck and that's not that's a total you know that's really a bad example you know you've got a deer that can take three to four years uh, to become a 10 pointer, but it takes those catfish a long time. If these fish were getting to 80, 90 pounds in three to four years, it wouldn't be an issue.
1: Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I mean, the growth rate on a catfish and the growth rate on a deer are nowhere in the same realm. No, uh, there's no, there, there's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah. And we, we've, we've got to have these tournaments like monsters on the Ohio, just like you, Aaron, who's been a, a big advocate for our brand as well. Uh, you know, Encouraging anglers and educating guys why it's so important to let these fish go, and and really just practice selective harvest. There's nothing wrong with keeping a fish. It's just you know be selective about what you're keeping, and uh, and and it, it it's turned around a lot. I know we've seen it a whole lot uh, in our area for sure.
1: Yeah, you know I think trying to force feed people that is the wrong thing to do. It is, but uh, but to take any stance you can on any venue you can i don't think there's anything wrong with that either but you got to go about it the right way i mean grandma told me you know you get more bees with honey you know uh cussing and hollering and screaming and fighting with each other will not get anything done anywhere no. uh, we need to act like grown adults and we need to handle this whole situation like grown adults if you if you if you get the right person's ear uh you will get somewhere i mean i've worked with uh state senators i've worked with state representatives i've worked with the head of fish and wildlife uh i've worked with commissioners from fish and wildlife it's just will you take the time to go out of your way to try to do something for other people and and my thing is there's a lot of talkers and there's very few walkers right walkers get stuff done okay and talkers just talk about it right we need big numbers of people that are willing to spend a little bit of their time educating people. Educating people is the big – there are so many people that I talk with that say, man, I had no idea. Yep. You mean that's really going on? That sounds crazy to me. That's right. I cannot think of one time I've explained the whole catfishing Kentucky thing to someone I didn't know, and they looked at me and said, dude, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Exactly you know it's if you don't know you just don't know and 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 that educating thing that's why i do everything i can to educate people on what the cat you know a lot of people don't know the catfish eat the asian carp a lot of people don't know catfish eat zebra mussels well check my live well out after (laughs) a tournament i promise you they do
0: that's right that's exactly right you know yep and it's it's so important to have them to keep everything balanced and checked that's for sure and
1: and yeah, and Mother, Mother Nature has her way of of uh, keeping things in balance. You know, Mother Nature was here before we were, you know, and she has a way. But if you go messing with her balance, then bad things happen. And the prime example of that is the Asian carp yeah. that's taken over the Mississippi. The, you know, every river down on this end is being taken over. By Asian carp and that's because of mismanagement mismanagement of the catfish right the catfish is the king of the jungle like I said earlier right he's the apex predator there's a reason for that
0: that's right that's exactly right you're exactly right we definitely have to uh, keep our resources in check and definitely uh, you know uh, keep keep guys educated on the forefront of what happens when you mess with that and and you don't respect your resource that's for sure well,
2: right.
0: Aaron Lee, we, we've talked about uh, the fishery and, and and what the catfish populations are looking like, and also, you know, the importance of having these fish caught, released, selective harvest. I know there's going to be a lot of guys that listen to this podcast that want to know uh, what makes you so productive out on the water. I know you, you've said, you've told me before, you know, I just try to go when I can. I'm just another fisherman out there, but You do catch some nice fish. You've caught some really good fish, um, fishing these bodies of water. If if you don't mind, tell us what your favorite technique is. What's something that you find that when you go to, whether it's Alabama or the Tennessee or, uh, You know what? What's your go-to technique to target catfish? What do you usually start out with when you're trying? You know that
1: that that that's a tricky question because that all has to do with time of year. That all has to do with current. That all has to do with water temperature.
0: That's you know that's that's right. Well, fall. You know you
1: can't can't just say well today I'm gonna go anchor. You know if if there ain't no current and you know the water temperature's 85 degrees, chances are you probably don't want to be doing that. Right. I mean the best thing I've learned, Caleb. Is I've spent time on the water and and I have picked up from some great fishermen, uh, and and you know it's like planer board fishing. Three years ago, hardly nobody knew about planer board fishing. Well, it's it's the new thing. Let me tell you, that's right. When when there is no current, if you're not pulling planer boards and dragging, I don't care where you're at. Uh, just for reference. The people that won Mississippi River Monsters two weeks ago were pulling planer boards, folks, okay? Yep. Off the Mississippi River, okay? Uh, so when there is no current, my go-to technique is I'm dragging baits and I'm pulling planer boards upriver. I'm an upriver fisherman in no current. Uh, and I'm a dragger and a planer board fisherman in no current. Now, when the current hits about .5, and the water temperature is right. You know, water temperature to me for dragging and drifting, anything above 50 degrees, I think you can catch them uh, doing that. So when that current hits about 0.5, so when I go from the Tennessee River back to the Ohio, I got 0.5 mile an hour current to 1.5 mile an hour current, I'm drifting. Right. I mean, that's just what I do. If the water temperature is between 50 and sometimes we see 90 degrees, I'm drifting. It has everything to do with water temperature and current. That's right. Now, in the winter time, when the water cools off, and there's point five to two and a half mile an hour current, I'm anchoring. I'm not, that's all I do. You know, I don't have an anchor in my boat from about March to about December. I don't even bring an anchor. Thank goodness for the new spot lock, <laughs> trolling motors, and things like that. You really don't need an anchor. So in the winter time, mainly. I'm anchoring unless I go down to Alabama and it seems like that water down there will stay above 50. So you can pretty much drag baits down in Alabama on the Tennessee river year round. Right. And it has definitely been the most productive for big fish for me in Alabama is dragging baits up those lakes, uh, around islands. Uh, there's a lot of submerged islands on them lakes up there. I like the channels of the islands. Uh, we always seem to do well. Uh, and then of course, I I also, I, in the last probably six years, I learned to bump fish, right. Uh, bump fishing was something six years ago. I didn't know anything about either. Uh, so now I know that when I go to these rivers that are, you know, sometimes Ohio have two to four mile an hour current in it, Mississippi and the Missouri always have four to six mile an hour current in it. Uh, so that's when, that's when you need your bumping game. Uh, and I've worked on that. I've went up to Missouri the last three years in a row at a big tournament in St. Joe cat chasers tournament up there. And I've tuned my bumping skills in up there on the Missouri river, because what I found out is if you can bump on the Missouri river, walk a bait, whatever you want to call it, you can do it anywhere in the country. So I, I expand my horizon. I went to, the Missouri River three years in a row, and I improved my bumping game so now, when I started catfishing, all I knew to do was tie off to something and throw a rod out and hope something comes along, you know, yeah. yeah,, but now I know how to drift, I know how to drag, I know how to anchor, I know how to walk a bait, I know how to bump a bait i have there's so many and and I think to be a good fisherman, you need all those tools but you also need the knowledge of when to use those tools. That's right. That's, you know, and, and crazy as it may sound sometimes a freaking cut of bait will make the difference. The way you cut your bait. Yep. I mean, it, it don't sound like that should make any difference, but I've caught 70 pound fish on baits as big as a half dollar. And I've caught them on whole skip jacks. Right. So it's a, getting out there and just really paying attention to what's going on all the time that that's why i tell people all the time these guys that are from that fish the missouri and the mississippi you want to know why they're such good fishermen they have to pay 100% attention 100% of the time we can go out on these lakes and we can throw some rods out and we can kick back and listen to music and fix sandwiches you're not doing that in four or five mile an hour current.
0: <laughs> you're right.
1: You know what? I'm yeah. So these guys are always pay attention to your fish finder, man. If you're just out there drifting and you go over top of a tree, mark that sucker because there will be a day when you'll wish you anchored on that tree. That's right. Or you'll wish you locked on that tree. I mean, you know, I'm always looking for structure while I'm drifting or bumping. If I, because I've had it happen before. The batteries will go dead on the trolling motor. You got two hours of tournament left. What am I going to do? I can't bump no more. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to those four or five trees I marked while I was bumping. And I'm going to spot lock or anchor above them. And I'm going to throw rods out. And I'm telling you, it's worked a uh, plenty of times for me. When all else fails, throw the anchor and hit that hit that structure, man, because there's normally something holding in them.
0: That's right. That's right. You know, and – that's You brought up some really good points, and, you know, that's why I say this podcast is going to work out great for just the everyday guy who's just wanting to go out there for fun, who may never even fish tournaments. You know, it, you're so right. You know, if you're not somebody who's a tournament angler, you're listening in, and you're just trying to get a game plan to just become a better fisherman on your weekend. Uh, you know, what Aaron just said, that it speaks volumes, and it's so true. You know, you got to be out there. If you're wanting to improve your game each time you go, you've got to be paying attention on what's going around you. It's so easy to drive over stuff. And, uh, Aaron, you brought up the point, you know, that may not be a depth of water or an area that you're looking to target, but you'll mark a tree and you'll mark it anyway. And uh, and that's that that's so true because when that, when that season comes through or, or when, you know, you hear the bites and, uh, this depth of water you'll say man i knew there was some structure out there that i should have marked where, that you can go back to if you do and uh,
1: yeah, i mean those fish those fish finders will hold a bunch of waypoints man use them yeah. yeah use them use them it
0: may not be something that you need now but uh it's going to be something through one of the seasons uh that you're going to need eventually and it's going to be good to have it and it's just another tool in uh in, in your in, in your pocket that that uh, may pay off big one day
1: yeah yeah and then uh, you know another thing i'll do a lot is somewhere i've never been i know what i like to fish okay i know what i'm looking for i'm looking for a river channel that's running close to bank or i'm looking for river channel going around submerged islands you know uh Navionics, a web app is a great tool you can go on Navionics web app and you can go anywhere you're going to go, man. And you can zoom in and you use that with Google Earth and you can paint a picture in your mind of these and find what you like to fish on your home waters. It wherever you're going, I promise you there's somewhere like that on that body of water. Right. So so use use Navy web app, use Google Earth, use anything you can. To narrow down where you're going to look in a brand new body of water. Because if you go down there and you haven't done your homework and you just put the boat in and you're like, oh, my God, where do I go from here? Right. Do a game plan together. It don't take that long. Spend a couple hours, three or four hours, you know, over a week before you go. Learn what you're going into. Find out what's down there. Pick your areas out. Eliminate a lot of that water, and, and, and that seems to really work well for me as well. I mean, what I fish on the Ohio River is basically what I fish on the Tennessee River is basically what I fish on the Cumberland, the Green, the Mississippi, uh, or the Missouri. I'm always looking for the same kind of stuff, and and that may be different depending on what time of year it is and how much current's running, too. I mean, you you just... Like I said, it's just being out there and finding out what works best at certain times of the year. And then, of course, you know, social media is a a shortcut to learning the catfishing game nowadays. There's so much information out there. But unless you take it to the water and you learn to do it yourself, it's really not going to do you any good. You're right. Uh, Time in the water is... I mean, I can't, I can't express to you how many hours I fish a year. If I told you, you wouldn't believe me, <laughs> uh, but the, you know, I, I'm not the only one that's like that. There are a lot of guys that are good that don't fish a lot, but mostly guys that are good, spend quality time. That's right. on the. Water. That's so true. You know,
0: back, this was, this has been probably seven or eight, probably seven or eight, uh, years ago uh, when I just really wanted to dive in uh, to catfish and just know every single thing on the internet. wanted to read everything, read all the videos. And this ties into what you just said, Aaron. There wasn't one piece of information that was not online that you couldn't search a keyword and I could finish the article. I already read it. I already knew it. I already watched the videos. I go out there on the water. I'm like, man. And that, all that information that's online is great. It's great, but it still does not substitute time on the water. I remember getting out there and I just read all this new information. I mean, just spent hours with my head down, just trying to read, and I go out there and find something totally different on my particular body of water, and I learned something just by being out there that you might not have read, you know or or maybe the fish are doing something a little bit different in your area. Uh, you know, like you said, a lot of that has to do with water temps, different places throughout the country. It gets warmer sooner than other places. It cools off sooner than other places. So spending time on the water and getting your own pattern and seeing things for yourself and then applying what you're learning also with seminars and, and online and using that as a combination as a whole. But uh, time on the water. You're so right, Aaron. You're right. That, that That's hard to beat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I can't express it more time and time, not just out there, just enjoying yourself time, paying attention to what's going on around you and what's definitely going on on your fish finder.
0: That's it. That's it. So many guys, they say, you know, they tell me, say, man, I just got a new fish finder, Caleb. And I say, that's great. You know, what'd you get? And they said, well, I don't need all those bells and whistles. I just need the down and I just need the uh, sonar part. That's that's the only thing. So I just got the sonar part and guys, right. you know, they'll message in. They'll say, I'm on a budget. I just I just got the sonar part. And I say, man, you, sh- you need to save up and get that lake mapping or down. Mapping card. You can rule out water so much faster in conjunction with using your down imaging and your sonar. You know, you mentioned absolutely Absolutely. channels that going around islands, you know, river channels that touch points and stuff like that. You have to have that lake map and it's gotta be accurate. You gotta have it where it's accurate and you can see the areas that you're targeting and use that that sonar to go over those areas to find fish. And uh, that's that lake map. Well, Aaron, tell us a little bit more. Um, you mentioned, you know, it sounds like you know you when you mentioned river channels. Um, what would you say is is your game that that your strong suit is? You know, we talk with guys. Some guys say, "Man, I'm a shallow water fisherman. I'm most confident in shallow water, uh, no matter what time of the year." Um, what do you think? You know, your strong suit is. Do you consider yourself a, a mid mid depth angler, a deep a deep angler or, or shallow water
1: angler. Uh, I, I definitely fish the channel.
0: Channel ledges,
1: whatever it is. Um, uh, I I just I like the channel and the ledges. You know, right next to the channel. Yeah. You know, I like I like you know a lot of lakes. Uh, you know, have a channel that runs through them. They're big, wide lakes, but the channel ain't two hundred yards wide. Okay. Uh, you get down like say to Wilson. Uh, Wilson in Alabama really doesn't have a river channel. It basically starts at one dam. It's ten foot, uh, and by the time you get down to the other dam, it's a hundred foot. Uh, so out in Alabama, I, I'm a on Wilson. I'm a deep water fisherman, you know. But that's not necessarily the truth on on Wheeler, yeah. uh, because I will go up in the coals and chase those those fish up up on the flats, up in the shallow water. I mean, it just. I can't tell you what my favorite fishing is because my favorite fishing is whatever I'm catching them doing. That's right. It, I don't care what I, I don't care if I'm pulling planer boards. I don't care if I got one rod in my hand. I don't care if I got six rods out, whatever it takes to catch fish. That's what I enjoy doing. And wherever it is, I mean, I fish deep. I, I would say my favorite depth is probably 30, 40 foot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because
1: there's a lot of that, you know, on the Ohio River. Uh, I I like old river channels. I like where you go. If you you look at a map area and there's there's a bunch of 20 and 30 foot and then in uh, maybe in the middle there, all of a sudden it drops into the 50, 60, 70 foot for a half a mile. You know, that to me is the oldest part of the river. I call it the old river channel. Some people may not but I'm always looking for that deepest part of the river in, in, in any pool, uh, especially in the summertime, you know, when I'm drifting and when I'm dragging. Now, when I'm anchoring in the winter, not so much because that's normally where all the current is. And I, I, I don't have much luck catching fish in that mainline heavy current in the wintertime. It's more off in that slack current in structure, but, you know i've I've just done so much fishing in in ten twelve years i started probably about thirteen years ago. I got serious about it about ten years ago and and i just i cannot i could not even explain to you how much i guarantee i fish minimum hundred and seventy days a year <laughs> and those are those are normally ten to twelve hour days on the water
0: right right you know all
1: day so it's it it's just yeah and, and then th- having the privilege to fish with someone like uh rob benningfield uh who's one of the best fishermen in the country me and rob are real good friends we have fished everywhere i've learned so much off him i fish with jody bivens a lot he's from my area he's won monsters we kind of bounce bounce ideals off each other a lot you know so being and then plus being a C.R. Pro staffer, you know, I get to speak with Phil King and the Massingales. You know, guys, I really look up to in the sport. I know that know how to catch fish. I mean, anytime there's a C.R. Tournament, we're working. You can bet we're over in a corner somewhere talking fishing, and I'm soaking <laughs> all that up I can, you know, because those guys are bona fide real fishermen, and you know, just to sit around and soak up information off guys. Uh, that That's another good thing. You know, when you go to these tournaments, man, don't be a stranger. Don't just go in your room and, and not talk to people. Come out. People are willing to talk. You'll be surprised what you can learn out at the hotel parking lot the night before the tournament. You know, all you got to do is listen.
0: That's so true. Yep, you're you're exactly right about that. You're exactly right. You know, right and then you got to be
1: able to separate the truth from the – the (laughs) non-truth that goes on out there, you know, Yeah. but uh, there's a lot, a lot of good people in the sport. I'm not saying everybody in the sport of catfishing is, uh, you know, the best people on earth, but there are some extremely good people in the sport that I have no doubt I could trust with anything in my life. And, uh, you know, that's a good feeling. I, I come from, I played sports my whole life in high school uh, I played professional softball for about 20 years. I got hurt, picked up the golf clubs. I wasn't very good at golf, so I'm real competitive, so I gave that up real quick. Picked up the fishing poles, and man, it's been quite a ride over the last 12 years. I'm telling you that, and it's—I've met so many good people. I'm involved with so many good people. It—it uh, it is just a blessing to be where I am, man. I just—I feel blessed. Absolutely.
0: So you gave up the golfing for the fishing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just too competitive, man. I, uh, I, I always want to be right there. I don't have to be on top, but I want people to know I'm there. I have just been that way my whole life. And with golf, I played softball for 20, 20 years. I'd hit that golf ball. it would go about a hundred yards straight and about 300 yards. Right. <laughs> and I just, I just couldn't get that out of me, man. And I just, I, gave, I picked up the fishing pole and uh, fished for a couple years around Owensboro with minnows. Didn't know what shad was. Didn't know what skipjack was. A local guy here, Adam Winder, told me one time about these fish you could catch below a dam. I went and caught them. First time I ever used skipjack, I caught a 75-pounder. And uh, that was 11 years ago. And it's been like a disease I just can't get rid of ever since.
0: That's right. You know, a lot of people ask. little bit interference we got calls coming in that uh we're shooing off like flies as as they come in but um you know people ask you know what is catch the fever and we say man that's exactly uh you know why we named the brand catch the fever because it is a fever and uh it don't take much you get somebody out there on the water who uh you know maybe never caught a catfish or somebody who just getting into it and they catch something decent
1: over Yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time taking people out around Owensboro, and uh, I, there's a lot of people now catfishing Owensboro. They wasn't doing it, you know, and and, and I enjoy I I would just, if someone was with me, i get more tickled off them watching, kept watching them catch a big fish than I do now. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love catching big fish. I still get the shakes. I still got to sit down and catch my breath. But, boy, it sure is fun to watch someone else do that as well. That's
0: right. That's right. You know? That's it. Well, Aaron, be- be- before we go, tell us a little bit, uh, again, of the uh, the dates for the tournament that you've got going on on Marshall in the Ohio. Guys, if you're somebody who's who you may not have the time to fish it, uh, but you want to go out there and see that crowd, like Aaron said, they've got one of the, the biggest crowds that show up to really – watch those guys weighing that fi- those fish in. Aaron, tell us again the, the dates of that event, what guys can expect when they get there, um, You know, entry fees and stuff like that.
1: Yep. Okay, well, Monsters on the Ohio is October the 12th at English Park in Owensboro, Kentucky. Like I said, this will be the 10th year for Monsters. Uh, there is a mandatory captain's meeting on Friday, October the 11th at the Owensboro Sports Center. Uh, the last day you can enter monsters without having to pay a late fee will actually be tomorrow. Uh, as of today, we have 135 teams entered. Uh, this is a this 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 tournament is uh, supported by the city, uh, by the county, uh, you know, by the people that live in this town. I guarantee you, you've never seen anything quite like what we do. And the fishermen miss out on what goes on while they're out there. So it's great just to come as a spectator. I mean, like we have door prizes. We have vendor booths. We have food booths. We have a casting contest for the kids, an archery contest for the kids. We have a dance contest for the kids. (laughs) We have a kid zone. We have an area marked off in front of the weigh-in just for the kids to watch the weigh-in. I mean, it like you know, like I said, we have tried to create a family atmosphere uh, here. Uh, Owensboro is the number one sports town in the state of Kentucky, and there's a reason for it. Uh, we've spent over $300 million on our riverfront here in Owensboro. Wow. It's one of the most beautiful spectacles on the Ohio River you'll ever see, and it just continues to grow and grow and grow, uh, kind of like the sport of catfishing. So you know, normally we, we have 150 to 200 boats. Sea uh, arc. we give away a Sea arc boat just in an open drawing. You fish the tournament, you have a chance to win a Sea arc boat. Uh, we have a uh, highest uh, finishing female award. We have a highest finishing youth award. We have the annual I Got Skunked at Monsters on the Ohio Award. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we normally pay back 20, 25 places. just depends upon how many teams were a 100% payback tournament. All Angler money goes right back into the payout. Wow. And so, you know, the payout's as big as the number of boats. You guys want this thing to be huge? Uh, you know, that's basically up to you. We fund everything else. We do all that. We do tons of advertising. We do tons of radio, newspaper tv you know we have a live remote uh during the weigh-in uh you know we we, we we're really good at what we do of course we're a 100 percent catch and release tournament uh our weigh-in line is very short we may have a lot of boats but our weigh-in line is only 10 boats long we have a very high survival rate on our fish luckily it's in the fall so the water's cooled down a little bit it's a little bit easier on those fish though it has not cooled down this year much. Right. Uh, So, uh, you know, and and we just want to spread conservation. We want to spread the word on the sport of catfishing because I have grandchildren that I want to be able to do what I've done, but even better. Uh, So, you know, if we don't do anything and we continue to allow states not to respect our sport, and I imagine bass was like this back before B- BASS. Oh, sure.
0: sure.
1: You know, I bet people were just killing big bass. and yeah. They were catching, releasing them. And, and we're going through the growing stages right now of catfishing, man. And we just need to, you know, one thing I would definitely want to say is we need to come together instead of trying to tear each other apart. Uh, and I know sometimes that's not easy, but you got, sometimes you just got to overlook things. I mean, you can't be so uh <clears throat> willing to criticize but not willing to give respect if you know what i mean
0: that's right that's exactly right and and if this sport's going to continue to grow and we're going to bring in new people uh you know they got to look at how how people to media. if you got a question about something somebody's doing or or you got or you feel you got a way that can improve Message that person individually. Reach out to them. Talk to them. It's so easy right. nowadays just to get on Facebook and just to post a bunch of stuff. It just blast somebody. Yeah, it is right, and it is, is. so wrong. It's so wrong. That does not do anything but breed negativity, and that is the last thing the sport needs. You mentioned bass. Absolutely, that's what they went through. I've I've watched plenty of seminars, and when these some of these greats that talk about back in the day bringing fish on stringers. Uh, you know, that's how they did it back then. And you're right. We're going sure. through the growth stages, and there's going to have to be. Uh, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people who are passionate about the sport. They want the sport to do good, but we just go about the wrong ways of doing it. Yeah. And, and yeah, one exactly. It is, is respecting your fellow angler, respecting other people's opinions. And it goes back to what you said in the beginning you catch more flies with honey. If you. It, You appreciate things as well. Uh, You know, we can. So. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, Aaron, I'm I I, I so appreciate you coming on and taking time. I know the closer we get to monsters on the Ohio, you're just you're you're wide open. But, you know, I know you are somebody you will go down as somebody who did not sit on the stool of do nothing. Uh, you have done stuff with your tournament, uh, you know, to get kids involved. There's, there's not a lot of things out there these days that, are, you know, get get kids involved. And uh, you do right. that with your tournament. That's fantastic. You're bringing in the spectators to hopefully convince somebody in that crowd next year to get involved with catfishing, reaching out, trying to do all that you can to to really protect the sport that you love. And uh, I just want to say, you know, how much I respect you personally uh, as an angler. I know we're busy. Uh, I don't, I don't get to talk to you nearly as much as I, I'd like to. And, and, uh, but I, I do thank you. And there's a lot of guys out there that really look up to you. And we're thankful for uh, having you in our sport and taking time to talk on this podcast.
1: Oh man, it, it, it is an honor and a privilege. Of course, you know, uh, I've been a big fan of you and. Tony and that whole gang. I'm so happy to be with you guys. I support you guys 100. Uh, percent I'm just trying to do the best I can with what I got. Uh, granny told me, you know, if you if you don't stand for nothing, then you ain't standing for nothing. That's right. You know, you know. So uh, right, I just try to do the best I can with what I got. I'm not afraid to voice my opinion. I don't force it on people. Right. Just like my products, I don't force my sponsor products on you. But if you ask me, I'm going to tell you, you know, that's right. uh, and that's the same. That's the same way I am about opinions on crap that goes on Facebook. I'm not going to get on Facebook and give you my opinion. But if you was to walk up and ask me, I'll give it to you personally. Right. You know, <laughs> a lot of this stuff needs to be taken down socially and handled personally. And, 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 you know, back when I was young and I'm a little bit older than you, we handled things a little bit different, man. Right. There was no there was no social media, you know. It was we will handle this personally, yeah. okay? Yep. And we we really need to get back to that, man. We we've let this uh, Facebook is a great tool for advertisement. It's a great tool for keeping up with your friends and family, but man, it is also the devil. It can be. Uh, and 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 when it's used wrong, it can really be bad and, and we need to be more personal with people we need to be more social with people man if you come up to me and talk to me I'm going to talk to you I promise yeah and it's going to take me about five minutes to figure out if I like you or not and yeah. then if I don't ever talk to you again don't take it personal it's just because I really didn't like it you know <laughs> I mean I, yeah. it's nothing personal <laughs> I mean I just I really, it don't take me long. I just get a feel about people. And I'm normally pretty spot on. I have a lot of associates. I have very few close friends. I know a lot of people. But as far as close friends, those are few and far between. And those are hard to find. And people need to realize that good close friends are not easy to find. So keep the ones you have close to you. And then just have your associates, you know. That's Uh, right. But, but i'm i'm as approachable as anybody i'll talk sports i'll talk fishing i'll talk music i'll talk women <laughs> i'll talk dogs it don't matter man whatever you want to talk about i don't i really don't care yeah
0: that's awesome well you've always been good to us you've always been uh great to talk with when we see you i know we see you at a couple of events throughout the year and it's always good to see you and good to talk with you. I know there's usually anytime I I see you, there's usually five or six people that are, that are in line to, to shake your hand and, and, uh, and talk with you. So
1: guys, yeah, I'm not, I'm not real big on all that, man. I think that's a little too much me personally, you know, but, but Hey, you know, if people want to talk to me, they want to shake my hand. I'm more than welcome to, uh, to abide, you know, by what they want to do. And I will tell you, I'm really loving the new, uh, the new uh, lead line y'all got?
0: Yeah, the slime. Yeah, yeah the slime line heavy cover. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh,
1: uh, y'all, y'all sent me some of that test stuff probably about six months ago, and I went over to the eighty and the ninety, and I'll tell you right now, it was one of the best moves I ever made because now I can pick thirty pound fish up out of the water <laughs> with the lead line, and, and 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 I love that man because. Those are dinks anyway.
0: That's it. That's it. There you go. We told people that, you know, we named it Heavy Cover because we wanted you to reel in the fish with the cover if you had right. to. So, and leader line, you know, leader pick them up. That's that's great. I am I do that too. and
1: uh, I, I've not had it broke yet. Now, I've had to break it. <laughs> I've had to break it myself. Yeah. But I have not had it broke on a fish yet, and I've caught some pretty decent fish so far this year. Yeah.
0: Well, that's great. It's been, it's been great to have some product to send out to you and have you use it because, you know, like you said, you're on the water a lot and, uh, you know, that's what we want. We want that product on the water. We want to get it beat up and we want people uh, that's going to give us good, honest feedback. So I appreciate you working with us on that, Aaron.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. The bumping rod is extraordinary. You know, I've shared that across the country. I think you guys, you know, we've been Trying to get a bumping rod out of you guys for two or three years. I finally see the light there. Yeah. You know, bumping is another, another new technique out there that has caught fire. You know, a lot of this information used to be undercover, but Facebook kind of, kind of took the covers off a lot of this information. And now everybody's, everybody's good, man. It's, it's tough out there on the tournament trail now. I mean, there used to be five or six teams man you just knew nobody was gonna mess with them but nowadays man it's anybody's ball game
0: that's right that's it that's it yeah well guys be sure to go check out Aaron Wheatley and everything that he's got going on and and make sure you give him his the support uh you know he I can only imagine the sleepless nights that lead up to this tournament and all the work that goes in throughout the year so be sure to, to message Aaron, you know, if you get a chance and just tell him you appreciate him, what he's got going on. It's great to have him in the sport. It's great to have people that don't sit on the stool of do nothing. Who's out there trying to, to uh, make a difference in the catfishing industry. And it, it's really been an honor and a privilege to have him with the catch speaker the brand. And Aaron, again, thank you so much for coming on. And if anybody's got any questions about in the Ohio, or any follow-up questions that they heard. Aaron, what's the best way to get in contact with somebody to get their questions answered? What, what is that?
1: Uh, the best way to get in contact with me personally would probably, if you're on Facebook, just shoot me a message. Okay. Uh, if not, my, my email is uh, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N underscore Wheatley, W-H-E-A-T-L-E-Y, the number nine. At hotmail.com. Shoot me a hotmail if you're not on Facebook. I mean, I'll do the best to answer any question I can for you.
0: Perfect. All right, guys. There you have it. Get at, get a hold of him. Get out there in the monsters in the Ohio. And we appreciate you taking time to listen in to the Catch the Fever Fishing podcast. You know, we do these podcasts completely on the fly. We don't know. Uh, there's no script. We don't know which way we're going uh, from the time we start and where we're going to end up. So, uh, You know, there's a lot of great information from conservation uh, to targeting fish that you can really pick out and hope it applies and really works out for you the next time on the water. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll have another podcast this week, and we're going to keep cranking them out there for you. There's a lot of people that's been tuning in. They've been a great success so far, so we're going to keep on doing it. Aaron, thank you again so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back on here uh, later on this year
1: absolutely keep them tight boys yes sir thank you
0: all right thank you guys so much this has been another episode of the catch the fever fishing podcast uh be sure to tune in every day uh on your on your apps on your on your podcasting apps as we update new episodes each and every other day all right guys thank you so much and we'll catch you next time hey what's going on everyone welcome back to the catch the fever uh fishing podcast uh i'm excited about today's episode uh i've got a really good friend uh that's here that is is, has taking the time to join us today to educate us a little bit on uh what he does and uh he's a successful uh tournament angler a weekend angler uh i mean anytime it seems like He's gone out. He always seems to produce. Um, he's came several times really close to uh, his, his uh, state state record uh, in, in a couple instances, he's definitely uh, judging by some of these pictures and, and, and seeing some of the stuff and talking with this angler. Uh, I believe he's had a state record on uh, more than once. Uh, so uh this is a guy that I'm excited to talk to him about, and uh, I know you guys will too, um, just because he's got a, a ton of knowledge uh, as a successful angler. So uh, uh, without further ado, guys, welcome Ronnie Dixon out of Florida. Uh, this is somebody, like I said, that we're excited to have. Ronnie, how you doing today?
2: Uh, pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Yes, sir. It, it, it's a privilege for you to be able just to take time to to talk with us and kind of let us in on what you are uh, doing out there in Florida. Ronnie, if you don't mind, kind of introduce yourself. Uh, you know, again, tell your, your, your name, where you're from and, uh, what, what body of water or, uh, that you like to predominantly fish. Just kind of let the listeners in uh, a little bit about what you got going on.
2: Right. Ronnie Dixon. Uh, I live in the panhandle of Florida, kind of right at the Alabama and Georgia line. Uh, Everybody knows Chattahoochee River and that's if I if if it was my choice, Chattahoochee River is one of the top fisheries in the South. Uh it's just loaded with fish. Uh Lake Seminole and Apalachicola River, that's the three rivers that I mainly fish. It's all right there. They all, you know, connect together. And uh I mean it's a it's a top notch fishery.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know so where you're at you mostly uh where you're positioned at in Florida you say most most of them are are gonna be river systems
2: yes uh we got we got one lake that we fish and that's lake Seminole uh other than that everything else is just small rivers uh and i'm I'm talking shallow rivers uh the deepest deepest holes you'll find on Apalachicola might be thirty five foot uh And that's like one or two of them, you know, (laughs) everything else, everything else is just shallow. I mean, the whole entire river system is 15 foot deep, uh, Lake Seminole. It's got two channels that runs all the way through it. And then the rest of the lake is just 10 foot deep with a lot of grass and stuff like that. And then Chattahoochee river is kind of like, you know, the Tennessee river, in my opinion, uh, real steep banks, deep holes, uh, is that's why i like chattahoochee it's got a little bit deeper water yeah but uh i mean every every body of water has a time and a place where the fishing is going to be good and where the fishing is going to be bad
0: right right so you just kind of uh depending on how the bite is what season you're in uh makes you adjust uh you know where you're going to be fishing to maximize your results out there
2: yes yes uh now like like you said, tournament, you know, I do fish a lot of tournaments down here in Florida. Of course, wherever there's a tournament held, you have to fish that body of water. Right. But uh, if I'm fun fishing, I'm I'm hunting state records. That's all okay. there is to it. I'm not going out to, you know, catch a dozen fish. I'm out for one fish and one fish only. And uh, after I get my bait, I kind of, however the weather is or what time of the season it is, that'll depend on which body of water I'm I'm about to go target.
0: Right, right, absolutely. What would you say uh, right now? All uh, right, what uh, is, you know, you described one Lake Seminole, and then the other body of water that's a river system that's got the deep banks, it's got a lot deeper holes, and then the one that's predominantly shallow with, you know, just maybe a couple. Um, which one do you find yourself fishing the most right now? I mean, is it uh, as you're getting into the fall? Is it, um, you know, or are you just kind of still hopping around uh, each body of water?
2: Uh, we've had an extremely dry summer. So, uh, Apalachicola River, which is below Lake Seminole, it's right. been extremely shallow. I mean, we right. uh, we hit a sandbar a couple weekends ago, and luckily nobody was injured. But it's just – it's extremely shallow. Uh, bait's hard to come by. Right. And I've been basically targeting the deeper water and more water, uh, so I, this year alone, I've basically targeted the lake and the river that feeds the lake, which is Chattahoochee River. Yeah,
0: well, we're talking about the Chattahoochee. You, it seems like that's a, a a good a good river system. You know, just by all around uh, by listening to you, you know what it. You know, and we'll get into to Lake Seminole, uh, being that that's a lake. It's really nice that you've got both that are right there. That. You know, you can kind of get your perspectives on each one and a guy listening in, uh, you know, he you know, there's a there's a, a lot of guys that listen that fish lakes and then they'll adjust their tactics to fish river. Um, you know, when you're going out on the Chattahoochee on this river system, you know, what when you put the boat in the water, uh, do you normally just uh, have bait in the boat or do you going out there to catch it? You know, kind of what what do you what do you start out with? Do you, do you already have bait, or how how do you how do you find the food source for that body of water?
2: Uh, I'll go to the Appalachicola River and catch right. my bait. Uh, there's just there's a lot of sloughs right here just where I'm from. But I mean, you can add this anywhere. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of sloughs, and I'll catch my bait there, and then I'll just load the boat up and go to either the lake or chattahoochee river uh right. we have a lot of grass um so it's a, a cast net's kind of you know a pain to try right. to cast net cast net shad or whatever it is kind of bait you're trying to get yeah cause there's so much grass i mean you spend more time so i'll catch my bait elsewhere and then go go to that river right yeah
0: that grass can be a pain in it it'll it'll dirty the boat up real quick when you get it in your cash oh nets. yeah and it makes that cast net even heavier if it ain't heavy enough already. <laughs> when you start yeah.
1: getting
0: that grass in your cast net, what right now of choice for uh, for the fall time, you know, going into winter on the Chattahoochee, what do you what do you find is is, is your your go to bait, or is there is there a couple different ones? I'll,
2: I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. Everybody, or you know, just down here, everybody kind of goes out on a limb looking for skipjack skipjack's a good bait and when it's when it's here i use what's plentiful i use what the river gives me if i can go out and catch enough skipjack to fish with then i'll go catch some skipjack but if they're not there i'm not going to worry about oh i can't find skipjack i'm there's too there's too much bait that you can use to catch trophy size fish to not just be worried about one specific bait, um, gizzard shad to me is 100% the best bait to have. And like I said, fishing or catching bait in these sloughs, I mean, they're all they're always right. going to be in there. It doesn't matter their time of year; they're always going to be in there, right? And uh, right. I'll catch gizzard shad before, unless I can go down there, you know, an hour and have enough skipjack to fish a trip, sure. fish a tournament but I'm not going to worry about it if they're not there because I have, you know, there's too many other baits to go catch. But if there's one bait that I, right. I could fish with year-round, it would be gizzer Shed. Right. Gotcha.
0: That, and that's that's good advice. And it's a good chance, you know, whatever, you know, is the most plentiful is oftentimes a good indicator. That's what the
2: fish are going to be of feeding on. the fish on. will
0: be dialed into. That's right. And, uh, you know, if, if you've got a certain bait fish, uh, for anybody listening, you know, you can really listen to what Ronnie's saying here. You've got a certain bait fish that comes in seasonally or something, you know, that's that's time to dial in on it. But, uh, you know, whatever's prevalent around your body of water where that's the, a lot of times the easiest to catch, that can really be a good indication that that's what you should be using yes. anyway. Um, so that's that's good. Uh, Ronnie, and staying on the bait topic for a little bit longer. Um it seems like people can't get enough talking about bait because as you know, the hardest job of, of, of a trophy cat fisherman is, is getting the bait. I mean, that's, uh, you that's can't. where it
2: all starts. That's where, you know, if, <laughs> that's, that's where that's, that's the yeah. beginning is, is having enough that's bait right. to fish with. <laughs>
0: that's exactly it. You know, you described, you know, you'll put the boat in, you'll look for these sloughs on the river. Uh, you know, for somebody starting out, you know, they, they, they may wonder what that slough looks like when you're going down the river and you're targeting these bait pockets ronnie what do they look like what do you see is there a sign that the fish give you is the river doing something is it a, a, a eddy where the current's like slows down what do you see where you say man that's where i'm gonna look for uh to, to target catching these gizzard shad?
2: Uh it'll be typically shallow and